Welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the greater world of gaming, uh, be it tabletop gaming, well, let's be honest, these days it's pretty much just tabletop gaming. Um, there are so many awesome games out there that we can spend our hobby dollars on and I, I guess just our time, uh, and time is one of those valuable resources as you get anywhere in your life, um, and there's just too many good games to play. And this is the podcast that sort of, we talk to people who are either in the gaming industry or people who play games. And, uh, well, we talk about the games that you might be interested in playing or that we are very interested in playing. So hopefully that uh, you enjoy the games that we talk about today. And today we will be talking about at least a couple and probably quite a few. Uh, now, joining me this evening are a couple of old hats to the old uh, to the old man Warren podcasting uh, guest roster. Uh, they are both longstanding members of the Ghost Army podcast and the Bolt Action Alliance, but that doesn't mean that we're necessarily just talking Bolt Action tonight. From the great state of Texas, the one, the only. Casey Pittman. Casey, welcome to Cast Dice. Howdy. Howdy. What is going on, Brad? <laughs> Brother, you, uh, you've got some awesome Legion on the go, I see, in your hobby pictures, uh, and we are definitely talking that. You loving the Star Wars these days? Man, I am loving it. It is so, you know, like we were talking about the other day, it just brings back, like, memories from as a kid, you know, pushing around the TIE Fighter, Luke, the Stormtroopers. Uh, I'm in love with it right now. Amazing. They can't put units out fast enough. Oh, God, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, and on the other side of the table, we have the bear man himself, uh, a man who's so elusive, I've never actually seen his picture, and who is drinking one of the most shocking things on the planet. My Seamus, please tell us, what are you oh. drinking? Hello, Brad, and thank you for that rousing introduction. <laughs> No, I uh, so like we were chatting about earlier uh, in in recognition of Anzac Day and uh, filing lines off of uh, uh, New Guinea uh, Australians here. I'm drinking that fine confection, uh, Fosters. Uh, not only Fosters, but premium ale Fosters. Ugh. Yeah, tell me about Cause, it. Because I want to be authentically Australian tonight. Okay, well. <laughs> Okay, I, I know we've said this before, and I'm sure I'm going to have to explain this again. As an American who grew up around the world and who now and has lived in Australia for quite a while, um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone drink. I've been in Australia almost 15 years, and I don't think I've ever seen an Australian drink Fosters here. Um, How many blooming onions have you seen them eat, though? Uh, officially, none. Um, I feel like Outback Steakhouse and those... Uh, the Australian for beer ads in the United States in the circa 90s, I feel like they've been lying to you guys just a little bit. Hashtag Gosh. fake news. Yeah, next you're going to tell me Paul Hogan isn't a realistic uh, portrayal of Australians. Well, Don't destroy my childhood. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just stop there. Well, to be fair, I did go out, uh, God, like 10 years ago and visited... Uh, Uluru and that whole neck of the woods, sort of the red center of Australia, and there were some there were some serious dudes out there, and I was like, ooh, there's a. Uh. Uh, also, going up to um, Darwin up, and there's a beautiful World War II museum up there if you ever get the chance. Uh, but uh, yeah, some of the bros out there in the Kakadus and uh, Kakadu National Forest, or not forest, um, sort of wetlands. I, I'm blanking on it. 
But yeah, there is some intensity from rural Australia out in the bush that is that far from humanity that you look at and you go, I can see where this caricature came from. And it's a little scary. Mm. Yeah. And, and even those bros. Fosters? No, thank you. And even those bros were not drinking Fosters. <laughs> None of them. All right. All right. Fine. And fine. To be fair, I don't even know what the green Fosters. I mean, you're saying it's the premium ale. I've never even heard mm-hmm. of that. I, God. I, yeah. I'm just cringing at the thought. Yeah. <laughs> what makes it premium? Ooh. What are they uh, putting I, in there? Yeah, I don't know. More rubits. Yeah, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. I think it's best I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, all right. While we're talking beverages, uh, Casey, I understand that you're enjoying a tasty adult beverage this evening as well. What are you enjoying? I'm enjoying a lager, an Allstadt lager from a German town right outside of Austin here, which is also the home of the Nimitz Museum and Pacific War Museum, now- which is a very good museum, by the way. I think you should tell us about that because you were sharing pictures and that museum sounded rad. Oh, it's definitely, if you ever make it down to Texas, especially central Texas, it's up in the hill country. Uh, It's nestled around a bunch of wineries and stuff like that. So there's something if you bring your significant other, there's always there's shopping, there's wineries, there's other stuff to do. But it's a museum that you first go in and it's dedicated to Nimitz. And you're like, oh, you know, this is kind of cool just going through it. And you don't realize how big it is. And you'll walk into a room and there's a gigantic zero float plane. I forget the designation from World War II, but it's a zero, you know, with a float on it. And it's complete and it's whole. There's a Japanese mini sub. There's a, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. And one of my favorite parts to it is that it recognizes all the other countries and their contribution to to the Pacific War and World War II. You know, there's a section on Australia. There's a section on the UK or the whole Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of people I know think you know, more Americans think they want all this by themselves. But this <laughs> museum really takes it and you know, tries to show that everybody had a hand in it. Totally. Yeah, that is my one uh, gripe with the, nas- the quote-unquote National World War II Museum in New Orleans, which is literally one of my favorite World War II museums. It's fantastic. It is really well put together. But there's like three pictures of Soviet troops in the entire museum. So according to – and it's one of them is when they're shaking hands with American soldiers when the two of them met in Germany. And you're going, I feel like there's a little bit more to this. <laughs> Um, a bit. Yeah, I, I do. My wife still fondly calls. Well, she calls the place Tom Hanks World because um, she thinks it's a bit of fiction being British. Um, but uh, there was a wonderful moment as we were about to exit that museum where there were some fine folks from uh, I, th- I believe the accent made them perhaps from Mississippi or Alabama. And one of them was saying to their son that um, looking at that picture of the Soviet troop and the American troop shaking hands. Um, something along the lines of, uh, yeah, the Americans had to come and uh, rescue the the Russians from Mr. Hitler's soldiers, and and it was just going, wow, and, oh, and that is, yeah. and that is why it's important to at least have a display talking <laughs> about the Eastern Front, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Merka. Wow. Anyway, um, yeah, but you know. She never brings that up when we talk about that museum. And by never, I mean every time. <sighs> uh, well, okay, let's talk shop. Gents, 
all of us have been working on a lot of hobby stuff. And I know in particular, I don't think I've been talking necessarily about what I've been up to recently. Um, so let's, talk, let's go around the horn and talk about what hobby we've been kicking. Uh, Seamus, why, why don't you start us out? What have you been up to, man? So I, I, I actually took a little bit of a break from uh, all the bolt action for a little while and did, uh, did a few figures for Frostgrave. Nice. Um, I played some of that at Adepticon. Uh, wanted an opportunity to paint some colors that weren't green or Feldgrau. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did, uh, I did a couple models for that, but uh, uh, like the true addict I am, uh, like I said earlier, I'm sitting here filing lines off of uh, another bolt action army because mm-hmm. that's what I need in my life. How yep. many armies do you have now? Uh, I'm downsizing, thank you very much, but nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say downsizing, <laughs> nine. <laughs> I like how yep. you were like, you made this yep. big excla- exclamation of, I'm downsizing, and then in little tiny voice, nine. Um, <laughs> yep. 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 So, okay, so is this a brand new army, or are you adding to something that you've already had started? Well, for the for, at the moment, I'm working on Aussies, uh, mm-hmm. which is something I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, you know, Brian and uh, Tristan and Patch have all mailed me a few bits here and there, nice. uh, and I kind of apparently I went crazy on buying some Brigade Games models. So, uh, starting so good though, they yeah. are, they really are. Uh, so I've got some of those that I'm working on now, uh, and it's it's completely new army for me. So. Um, I'm also going to go for a little more of a scenic base on these guys versus like clear or real basic. Nice. Uh, so just trying to experiment all around. Now that is something I've been wanting to ask. There's a couple questions in there. The first is you are one of my friends who are uh, a proponent of clear bases. Um, I know that some of the Legion guys do that, um, and I've been listening to some podcasts and them talking about that. Um, w- you've been clear basing for a lot of games, though. Um, is there a particular reason for that, or do you just like the do you like your model to match the table? Is that what's going on? Yeah, it goes back all the way to second or third edition 40k. I don't even know how many years ago that was now, mm. but uh, it always bothered me. Uh, you know, in my early days of learning how to model, all my guys had these nice happy green meadow oh, bases because yeah. that's what I knew how to do. And, you know, you read all the literature and it's like, you know, these blasted planetscapes and mm-hmm. hellacious uh, situations. And here are my guys on this happy green meadow. And uh, and then you play on a city table and it always bothered me. Why do my space marines have happy green meadows and now they're in a city? So it just... yeah. I'd been experimenting with alternate basing ideas for a long time, but uh, a buddy of mine tried clear basing for his Warhammer Quest, and that's when it all finally clicked, nice. and I realized how I could do it effectively. I just, I like, I, scenic basing has its place. I mean, you look at some of the stuff like uh, like your your cobblestone guys or some of the stuff that uh, Cheers, the other Alliance guys have done. Uh, you know, uh, Brian's done some articles on basing. It's mm-hmm. just, you can do really amazing things, but... Uh, for me, some armies, I just want to be generic enough to blend in with any table. So that's that's really the reason I started playing with uh, clear bases. Yeah, right on. Casey, you're a scenic base guy, right? You don't you haven't clear based? 
No, I've never clear based, but I have seen what you're talking about. It's a lot of Legion guys are doing it. And yeah. I think I haven't read the newest thing from FFG, but I know, you know, some were curious if it would be tournament legal. But, you know, if you look on Etsy, I've seen, you know, on a shop, they make all those clear bases oh, and yeah. they already have the whole, um, you know, front arc, side arc and rear arc lines on them. So mm-hmm. they're really good. I am. And I mean, the thing with that is. I'm kind of inclined to try it just because I don't have to worry about doing a desert base and then it being on a snow table and ruining the little bit of immersion or something like that. But I don't know. But no, I've always done scenic bases. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've, I've traditionally done the scenic base. Um, I've always been, and I know the I love the look of a beautiful model on a beautiful base, and it sort of creates that picture in my head for me. It helps me to create that narrative prior to the game. Um, And I know I've said this before on the podcast or on a podcast, but the second my models hit the table, um, even if they drastically don't match, um, as they typically don't, um, it it, is once the models are playing, um, if if they're painted at all and it's consistent, I just, you know, the, the lines start to drop in front of my eyes and I get sort of fall into the matrix and all I see are lines of numbers and like strategy. And I don't actually really see the game anymore for what it is. Um, but I do love to look, walk up to a table and see, you know, the, the beautiful painted armies on the beautiful table. Um, but as soon as I start playing, I sort of stop seeing it. So I, that, that discord doesn't ever bother me unless weirdly, um, sometimes if I'm playing unpainted armies, um, I have a really hard time concentrating on the battle itself. Cause I'm like, ah, unpainted, ah, it burns, um, <laughs> yeah. kill it with fire quick. Uh, quick, get that man a spray can. Just, I don't know what it is. Um, and I played a game with uh, a half-painted army, against a half-painted army the other day. Didn't even bother me once. Um, that said, I played a game a couple months ago against an unpainted army, and I spent the entire time staring at it going, ugh, I really wish that wasn't there. Um, yep. If that makes sense. Anyway. So uh, I, and I do have, yeah. to be fair, I do have armies with scenic bases. It's it's not for every player, and even with myself, it's not even for every army. So right. I'm certainly not disparaging anyone for going one way or the other. But uh, you know, I've said it before, the, it, it, a lot of players look at the table and they see those lines in the matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my win-loss record proves that I don't see that at all. <laughs> I tend to see the table in terms of camera angles and what's going to look good in the picture to right post up and stuff like that. So yeah. maybe you should concentrate on playing a little bit more. Nah, uh, uh, you're good. It's overrated, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just to go back to a couple other things you said, cause I did say I had a, a couple of questions. Um, so let's talk brigade Aussies. Now people talk typically about the warlord Australian range and it's awesome. Um, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, and people have been talking at least locally in Australia about Eureka's line as well, um, which are also great models. Um, there were mm-hmm. a wartime, there was a wartime range, uh, wartime miniatures here in Australia. I don't know if that's still available. Maybe it is. Um, I have seen those models on the table and they also look nice. I am not mm-hmm. familiar with Brigade's line of Aussies, though, and I love Brigade. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how wide-spanning is the range? Um, is it a complete range? Do you have to sort of kitbash and pull things from other places? Can you make an army of these, and how does it look? Yeah, uh, scale-wise, um, they're somewhere between, like, a periplastic scale and Warlords. Mm-hmm. Um like I feel warlords are a little uh, thinner and taller, whereas brigades are a little more short and stocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, the detail is is pretty good. 
the weirdest thing for me is the faces. They all look the same. There's uh, mm-hmm. there's like n- no hair or anything. So they it's it's like having an army of Australian Yule Brinners and various hats and <laughs> armaments. It's, awesome. It's a, it's a nice little analogy. strange. But yeah, uh, the the detail isn't bad. Uh, they've got you know a line of guys with rifles and bayonets, and the same thing with uh, helmets mm-hmm. and uh, bush hats, and a few guys with SMGs. They have um, some uh, Papuan natives that you mm-hmm. could fill out, like for a medic team and stuff like that. So it's it's not limited as much as some other companies are, but uh, I think. Warlord has a slightly wider range. Yeah. Right. I didn't yeah. know they made uh, some desert ones, it looks like, too. Australians in the desert, the 6th Division. Yeah, I think so. Brigade actually has a surprising uh, range across other theaters. Like, uh, yeah. their Gebrixieger models, I think, are phenomenal. Oh, they're excellent. I have a couple blisters of those. They are sensational. Yeah. Although, weirdly, and this is one of those things that I love about the Brigade Winter models, um, most winter models, you get the hands with the fingers as normal, um, right? But a lot of the brigade ones, one of the reasons why I love their winter models is they have mittens. A lot of them have mittens. Because um, I have a full army of their fin models in snowsuits, as in the winter onesies. And um, nice. I love that. So they have one hand with a mitten holding the rifle sort of with the left hand. And then the right hand that's on the trigger and holding sort of the butt of the rifle um, has the hand not in a mitten, but the mitten is hanging from a cord from the jacket. It's just a nice yeah. little touch that I didn't see until I started painting it, and then I started seeing it on a bunch of their models, and I just love it. It's just really, really nice little detail-oriented, um, just an eye for detail that I really enjoyed. Whoever sculpted those, yeah. uh, I just have to take my hat off because I love those models. I agree. Yeah, I got to paint the uh, I got I was digging through one of my drawers and I pulled out a um, a couple of uh, little sacks of extra fins and onesies that I've forgotten I had. And one of them was the the group of models with the MMG. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I am definitely painting that one <laughs> soon because it's it's, a, it's such a cool model. I originally bought it way back in early version one so I could get the the crewman who's kneeling in the mitten with the SMG. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want that guy. Uh, and I did, and I love it. I painted that model. I just forgot that I still have the rest of that crew and the gun itself and went, yeah, hell yeah. Second edition, um, you know, I, I'm not taking as, I don't know, optimized min-maxi lists. Heck yeah, let me, let me throw down an MMG. Um, so I'm, right. I'm going to paint that up soon, and that's awesome. Anyway. I, I love when you – go ahead, Casey. I'll say the Finnish ones. Yeah, the Finn ones. It's in there. Man. So the Finn line is hard to find. It's in there beyond the ends of the Earth line or something like that. If you go to their website, yeah, yeah. They like uh, Seamus said. It's just so sometimes it's hard to find stuff. You got to really dig like through their mm-hmm. website. Yeah, my entire Chinese army, um, just about, is Brigade Chinese uh, with German gear. Uh, and those are like you're describing for the Aussies, a little bit shorter than I was used to. Cause my previous Chinese army was by cobblestone and those things were giants. Mm. Um, and by <laughs> comparison, they're, they're beasts. 
Um, I had one cobblestone guy left that I had to painted to match the rest of my Chinese, and he towers over the rest of the squad. I'm like, well, I've got the Andre the Giant of Chinese soldiers in that squad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, not every soldier is the same. But it is, it, they are excellent models. But I had to dig to find some of the Chinese models on that website, too. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember the uh, Baker Company finished models? I have an entire box of them. <laughs> that was right when I started Bolt Action. God, Ooh, what was it, like five wow. years ago, six years ago? And I had thought about a Finn army, and those were the only ones I could find. And I just remember reading on the old WWPD forums, just the reviews. I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my good buddies, uh, that was his first foray into Bolt Action. Uh, he and I have you know, been playing like other games for years, and... Mm-hmm. Of course, like the devil on the shoulder, been like, "Hey, how about bolt action? Hey," and uh, yeah, that was he. He bought into both the Soviets and the Finns. So <laughs> those models, oh. yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I want it. I want to like them. I have an entire painted army of them, uh, or not painted, unpainted army of them. I can't even like get the mold lines off them to spray them white and like dip them just to paint <laughs> or to give to somebody. I've literally offered to give those to some people, and they've gone, no, no thanks. Yeah. And you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to hold on to them then. Um, not sure what I'm going to do with them, but uh, I am definitely going to use the the one awesome thing in that, that Kickstarter, because I got part of what I got, um, but I got a good chunk of it. I can't complain. Um, but I got the reindeer sled, which I'm going to use as a mm. tow for my That's cool. fins, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I might have to do some creative... Uh, head cutting and puttying to get the old crone hanging off the back and turn it into actually a dude on a sled. But, you know, anyone remember the old Games Workshop corpse cart model? Well, the guy who's sitting on the back of that uh, sled looks like the uh, the witch on the... the uh, <laughs> like the undead. Uh, so hold on. Speaking of necromancy, let's let's talk uh, Frostgrave because um, yeah. that's something this show has never seen. So... Tell us a little bit about the game. Um, I've had people tell me it's a little bit like a cross. Uh, it's a little bit like Necromunda. Not Necromunda. Uh, Mordheim. But there's also the elements of maybe Malifaux and that you have like a wizard or a magic user or a certain sort of character. And then you build a crew around them. Um, why don't you talk to us about yeah. the game? Ta- tell us how it works. I, ironically, uh, with that setup, I've never played Mordheim or Malifaux. Well, there you go. <laughs> but... It sounds like you're on the right track. Yeah, it's you, you basically create a wizard, and the idea of the game is you create yourself as a wizard. Uh, you pick one of these schools of magic, and you pick a couple of spells from there, and then related schools. And then you have a number of gold coins that you spend on a warband. Nice. Um, and depending on how good that particular uh, fighter is in the game, they cost more or less gold. Um, and then you pick spells, magical items, and then... Uh, it's a three-by-three three board. You hunt for treasure, try and kill the other guy. Every time you find treasure, there's a table where a random beast pops up. and uh, So then you're fighting not only these uh, random beasts, but also the other spellcasters. Uh, it, the, the great thing about it is the maximum squad uh, uh, warband size is 10. So, uh, you know, where some games where you invest in them, it's like, okay, I'm going to need 50 models to, you know, go entry level onto this. I think... The one thing I really like about Frostgrave is it's it's really simple. Yeah. Now, Malifaux is a game where people tell me, oh, all you need is like five or six models to play. And you do. 
But it's one of those jokes that Malfo players make um, the second that you actually do that. Um, and from personal experience, I'm looking in my glass case right now at 50 painted Malfo models. Um, is it one of those things that it's like, oh, I've got, I only need 10 models to play, or maximum 10, but I've got 45 of them so I can pick and choose depending on who I'm playing against? Um, or is it more of a you build a set war band and you kind of roll with it? It's a little bit of both. It's kind of how much you want to put into it. Uh, you know, there is what, maybe 20 different types of soldiers. Okay. Um, but they don't specify what models you have to use. So if you've got a model that looks cool and is armed the way the, the entry is, you're good. Uh, some of them you can even pull, uh, you know, this guy can count as this, this, or this. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you could have individual models for every soldier type and every different sorcerer and mm -hmm. school and things like that, but you totally don't have to. So, uh, there's a lot of flexibility in how much time and money and painting you put into it. That's cool. Right on. And is, I is, like is that a war, uh, not a warlord clearly, um, Osprey game or is that through someone else? No, it is. It's, uh, it's through Osprey Games, but uh, it was all done by Joseph McCullough. Um, mm -hmm. I do want to give a little plug. He was recently on the Paint All the Minis oh, cast. Cool. Uh, yeah, uh, before our, our resident celebrity here. Uh, <laughs> hey. But it was cool. He goes into how he got into gaming, and it's very, uh, very opposite how a lot of us did. So um, I recommend if anybody's got a little bit of time to check that out. It gives you a little bit of insight into the, how the game was developed, too. That's cool. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out because uh, with that plug, now I'm like, ooh, how did he get into gaming? But I'm not. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'll bury that lead and uh, I'll, I'll actually go just listen to it. Um, hey, now you played it sorry, at uh, Adepticon too, didn't you, Frostgrave or not? I did uh, actually. So we have the big uh, one of the two big bolt action events in Chicagoland, Operation Sting. Uh, the guy who runs that, uh, Brent, is really big into Frostgrave. Uh, he works really closely with Joseph McCullough. He actually wrote. Uh, special scenario for Adepticon, but um, Brent's been kind of like, uh, you know, the elbowing me gently for a year and a half now. Hey, how about Frostgrave? Hey, how about Frostgrave? Mm -hmm. Hey. Uh, so I finally got into it for a couple of friendly games um, and then uh, tried it out. Uh, we played a group game where uh, random giants appeared on the table and everybody was trying to both work against each other and destroy these giants that were randomly running around causing havoc. So nice. uh, that was a cool, uh, cool dynamic too, because, you know, you have like at our own table, the guy sitting next to me, uh, you know, our, our war bands were overlapping a lot. And then there was that, is, is he going to go after me or is he going to focus on the objectives? While mm -hmm. the two guys on the other side of the table for us were like cutthroat, just absolutely cutthroat going after each other so that was a neat little dynamic too that's cool and how long does a game of frostgrave usually take i mean i know that um it sort of varies on how many players and what's going on but is it like a longer tabletop experience or is it one of those short hour turn and burn and then play another game type games once you get the hang of the rules i think you could do an hour hour and a half maybe mm -hmm. it's brutal uh, because it uh, it's all on D20s, and of course you have the natural 20 rule, mm -hmm. which is double damage. So, um, you know, you can have like a low-level thug uh, kill your spellcaster with one really good roll. So uh, that tends to be the great equalizer. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, okay, so uh, where would I find information about this game? Because I am curious. Oh, goodness. Uh 
I mean, there's a because he needs another game. Yeah, like, yes. like a sharp stick in the yes. eye. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'll mail you the stick. Um, <laughs> Please don't. No, I mean, there's 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 various Frostgrave groups on Facebook. Warlord sells a lot of the products. Yeah. Osprey Direct. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that. Right on. Most game, a lot of good game stores will have some of it too. Yeah, I know the local game shops definitely got some stuff, uh, and Rendera's done some little terrain pieces to go with it as well. Um, I've, I believe, one of the expansions has little terrain pieces. Yeah, yeah, I bought some of those um, wall sections, um, and I used it as part of my ruined city for bolt action. Um, yeah, so yeah, good stuff. And you said it's on a three by three or a four by four. I'm pretty sure it's three by three. Nice. Yeah, man. You can I can play on a larger table, but yeah, that's the the base game is on a three by three. I really like how a lot of skirmish games are on three by three. It just it's a nice size um, to just sit down across from an opponent. Um, you know, you don't have to get up and run around. Although, you know, usually I am standing when I play these games. Um, it's just a nice area to sort of focus your vision on and to look at the models. And it is it's just nice. Um, and you can you can really put some great terrain down on a three by three. Um, sometimes, and it's a, well, and it's a lot easier than a four by six, for example. Um, but yeah, it just, it, there's just some magic there. Malifaux has just some beautiful, the community locally has made some beautiful terrain. Um, and just to walk by some of those tables, you just go, damn, look at that. Uh, I would love to see that on a four by six. And that's just something that, um, you just don't always see on a bigger table. So those games are just cool. Um, yeah yeah like like armada and x-wing and stuff like that i call that kitchen table scale totally because you can play that without having to go to a game store yeah and by extension now legion is the same size as armada so you know as you say you used to have to get the table extenders to get that four foot width on a lot of dining room tables turns out on Mm -hmm. a three by six or a three by three don't need that usually Uh, most dining room tables are at least three feet wide so it's a really good observation. Yeah, man. Well, okay. We, we talked uh, Paint All the Minis a second ago. Um, if, guys, if you listen to this cast, um, Paint All the Minis is an excellent podcast. And I've listened to a ton of the episodes. Um, and I, I, I'm sorry, is, has someone been on that recently? Casey, why don't you tell us what it is? And maybe <laughs> something, someone we yes. may know who may be on it. Um, you're talking about Brian, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, actually, I did it to the cast with him last night. But it's Dan Adam, and he does Paint All the Minis podcast. Yeah. And he just reaches out to everyone in the community from authors of books, CEOs of some of the miniature companies we've mm-hmm. been talking about, to the everyday gamers like Seamus and I, um, to other podcast hosts like you. And he just gets – you know, it's a weekly podcast, or I think he puts them out weekly or bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. And he just reaches out there and just, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Let's talk about what's going on right now in the world of miniature gaming. And it's really fascinating. And it's a very positive podcast. He has yeah. a Facebook group, too, where, you know, just throw down what you're painting. It's a real positive atmosphere in there, too. A lot of um, recommendations. People, hey, you know, I'm, I just painted this. It's my first time painting this. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And a lot of constructive criticisms. And he runs just a fantastic podcast. He's got another one coming up because he's getting ready to move to China. And it's really interesting because he's going to try to start a gaming group where he moves to. So nice. I can't think of the name off the second cast off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up. But, I mean, if you haven't listened to it, I re- highly recommend it. 
Yeah, man. Oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your episode because um, one of the things I love about that cast is one of the things he usually asks people is how they got into gaming or their history with gaming. Uh, and I just love hearing people's stories. Um, just hearing, you know, everyone's got a good story or three or eight or nine about their time in gaming. Um, and some of the, you know, I love a good, um, I love a good story from someone long in the tooth, so to speak, when they've got, you know, back in my day when we, and you go, oh yeah, I remember <laughs> when they did that. Or, wow, man, I don't remember when they did that. That's crazy. Um, those just make for great, um, just great listening when you're painting. It's just, and as you it say, really it's a really is. positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, he asked me the same question last night, when did you get into gaming? And I'm probably the youngest in here and starting in 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. Wow. And when he asked me, yeah, not very long. And when he asked me, I remembered that one moment and I think I've told the story on the gap before, but when I remember seeing a buddy's painted Zis three guns on mm -hmm. Facebook, he shared them and I'm like, Oh, those are cool Soviet howitzers. I'm like, what are those for? And I started messaging him and he's mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's a tabletop game. And I'm like 40 K. And he's like, eh, kind of. Mm -hmm. And who knew right then if my wife was smart, she would have left right then. But <laughs> I mean, it's been yeah. downhill since. I know that feeling. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, now that it's funny how those moments exist for all of us when you know you have it. For me, it was when, uh, God, in sixth or seventh, seventh grade, um, this kid moved from the States. Um, actually, he'd been living in Egypt and he did, travel, he did this world trip with his parents. Um, and in the UK, one of the trip stops was in London and he picked up the 40K Rogue Trader book. Um, and he showed up wow. in Japan. Um, and, you know, he, he just got there. He didn't know anyone. Um, and he was on his way into the school when I was, um, I might've been, I don't know. I, I feel like I was on my way out, but that wasn't until the next year. Maybe I just felt like I was on my way out anyway. Um, but he brought the book in, uh, cause you know, we were talking about different games. Um, we were playing, uh, car wars and a little bit of D and yeah. D and some Marvel superheroes and, you know, just, just messing around. And he overheard us talking and was like, I think you could smell your own and be like, I know that's my tribe. And he came over and was like, Oh, I got this game. Uh, I'll have to show it to you. And he showed up and handed us that book. And I flipped through and I saw the description of what a bolt gun did. Uh, and it, <laughs> it changed my life. Uh, and from that point, I mean, I was already heavy into gaming, but just about every other game went out the window at that point. Um, and it, yeah, 40 K became life. And, uh, it was like that for a really long time. Yeah. Yep. Right on. Seamus, how about you, man? What was your moment? I never grew out of playing with GI Joe's. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's really what it amounts to. I just never stopped. Yeah. Oh, brother. I think someone has a uh, 3D printed G.I. Joe army in the works too, doesn't he? What do you mean? <laughs> who? 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 Where? <laughs> yeah, who? Exactly. Who? Where? Um, so uh, I haven't necessarily been sharing pictures through the Facebook group, although I, or through the Facebook page, but I probably should. Um, I've, I've shared a few photos of a few of the things, um, but there was a guy, uh, a wonderful human being. Um, I don't know if he wants his name publicized, but if you go to Thingiverse and you, which is a, a free 3D print file sharing service, um, if you go there uh, and you search G.I. Joe, uh, there, there is a guy, and I don't want to say his name again because I, I don't know how public he wants to go, but I, I want to thank him from the bottom of my literal heart um, for lit so he spent countless hours, and I think there's up to 
I want to say 40, maybe 50 vehicle designs on there now, including the aircraft carrier, including the version one or series two G.I. Joe base, including the Terror Dome. Um, And I went a little wild um, because I found a guy in the States who 3D prints things um, relatively cheaply. And by relatively cheaply, I mean insanely cheaply. And was like, okay, um, for the price of what I might get three, and bolt action tanks aren't expensive in the greater scheme of things, but for the price of maybe two or three, yeah, but for the price of like two or three bolt action tanks, I got like 15 G.I. Joe printed vehicles. Um, Wow. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, but shipping to Australia was ridiculous. So I shipped them all to my parents' house. And I did that a couple times. Um, So I think I have something like 30 vehicles. Um, and I, and when I was home, I just was like, oh my God, what am I going to, how am I going to get this all back? Good news about 3d printed vehicles. They don't weigh anything. Um, (laughs) so I, I just packed an empty box and brought them back. Um, and it, it added like two or three, you know, maybe I'm exaggerating that it was like four or five pounds to my weight limit and was like, oh, easy, bring it back. Um, and so I have in the bathroom downstairs, um, I've been cleaning because it's 3d, it's like a hollow resin technology. I haven't heard of this elsewhere. Um, it's amazing. It's like a resin vehicle. It's a slightly different design, but, um, they have little holes drilled like in in the bottom. And when I was rinsing them, water would get in them. And that's when I truly realized how hollow they were because they're really solid. I was worried that if they were hollow, um, you know, some of the Shapeway stuff, you can sort of press the sides and they give. Um, these are incredibly solid and they're like a dark gray resin. Um, they, and they're really well cast. Um, and I just, I was shocked at the quality. Uh, and so I have a, I have a, a very large collection, including some of my favorite GI Joe vehicles, including the Mobat, um, Two APCs, uh, you know, a, a Stinger, uh, the Cobra Tank, the Asp. So some of my favorite vehicles growing up were like the Cobra Rattler, the the A10 plane, yes. um, the Dragonfly helicopter, which is uh, Huey Cobra, um, things like that. And now I've got them all in these 3D print um, resin. And then some of the vehicles that I always wanted and could never get, like the Cobra Asp, which is the um, sort of their artillery piece. Um, I, I was able to get, um, down to getting like the weird dreadnoughts, uh, thunder machine, which looks like it's out of Mad Max. I have one of those as well. Um, and so I, and for the record, while we're talking about Australian myths, uh, anyone who read GI Joe comic books as a kid, uh, I have never seen, uh, grape soda and, in Australia, uh, other than at one shop which sells American sodas, and I definitely um, do not see Australians typically eating chocolate donuts. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> Very American. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just talk about like how much 3D printing is influencing tabletop gaming now? Yeah, seriously. And I've right? really seen it, too, with Legion. I mean, just the terrain. Right. If you look on their official Facebook page, and FFG has been really good about this so far, I guess because they're not putting out terrain, but you just see so much stuff, so many companies popping up, and uh, guys just doing out of their garage selling stuff. And on Etsy and eBay, it's 3D yeah. printed you know, terrain and all sorts of stuff, buildings, you name it. I was just looking at Thingiverse for a uh, shuttle, yeah. Empire shuttle. And like, man, mm. 
and I was contemplated like how I looked at 3D printers. Mm-hmm. How much is it? You know, what do you need? I'm like, oh, I don't think I can pass that. But it's just amazing. I remember when they first came out. I think we had this discussion a couple of years ago. You know, how much is it going to influence gaming? And mm-hmm. I think we're really starting to see it come out now. Yeah. I think you're entirely right. I mean, there's there was a few guys on Thingiverse who did uh, incredible amounts of really rare World War II stuff. Not on Thingiverse, on Shapeways that you could order yeah. um, that just to get vehicles like certain um, Japanese artillery tows uh, are just some of the things that I've seen and some of the half tracks before companies started making them. Um, yep. And you would just go, the only way I can get this vehicle. In the entire Hungarian armored line, for example, you can get those, even though now you can get them through Madbob and stuff like that. But back then, you just couldn't get them anywhere. Uh, and it was, it was just that way of, sure, they were expensive by getting them through Shapeways, but you could get them. Um, and recently, I got a Japanese um, artillery piece that showed, or AA gun. It's called a Type 88, even though it's not an 88. Um, it, but it counts as a heavy AT gun in the game. It's in the Empires in Flames book. And I was thinking, wow, that would be so cool to get. Uh, and then I actually Googled it, and sure enough, there it was. Um, and I ordered one, and I got it, again, shipped to my parents' house because I was there, and shipping was way cheaper. And boom, I got myself uh, a heavy AT gun for my Japanese army, which is historical, it's to scale, it's awesome, and I didn't even know it was there. And the the rules are there, we just didn't have a mini for it, and now we do. Um, Because someone took the time to make the file, and then there was a service to print them. Um, Now, Casey, you've been messing around with the Legion terrain with this, right? Um, How? What have your experiences with that been? So I ordered, you know, shameless plug here for Imperial Terrain, and it's actually a local company. He lives maybe about 20 miles from me here in Austin. Oh, wow. But uh, I don't know, 20 miles. Anyway, but so far, I actually just got it in today, and it's perfect. I was afraid some of the 3D print stuff I have, mm-hmm. the lines are really noticeable. Yeah. But, I mean, it's filled in really well, and he's got some tutorials. It's ImperialTerrain.com. He has some tutorials up there on how to do your terrain, but you spray it with a good auto primer, and it's going to fill in those lines, yeah. and it's just been a dream so far to set up. And uh, you can go there, you can go on Etsy, and mm-hmm. they've got all sorts of different terrain, vehicles, they've made some shuttles, some tanks and stuff to add. I'm really impressed with what the community's putting out there right now. Yeah, man. I was looking at um, one of those. I think it was even the the company you're talking about. I'm, I don't want to mess up the name. Was it was say it again? Imperial Terrain. Yeah, Imperial Terrain. I okay. I, I wasn't gonna get that right. Is it? They have the <laughs> tank, right? So from Rogue yes. One, that like cargo yep. hauler tank. Um, that is ambushed in the movie, they make that tank. And I was looking at that going, ooh. Wow. Yeah. Again, yeah. And so I mean, good. The guy is putting out stuff left and right, and it's just amazing watching this community. Um, as soon as you know, FFG dropped it, I joined their Facebook group, and I was like, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to buy in. And Brad and I both know what that means. That <laughs> we're going to buy in. What do you mean? <laughs> because I share your gaming ADHD. Uh, so it's a castle. No Ooh, it's a castle. Ooh, it's a castle. Shiny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, it's a game, and it has dice. Do you want to buy it? Okay, I'll buy it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> do I need to spend a lot of money? Yes. Okay, I'll buy right, it. Quick. Uh, yeah, take my money. But, yeah. you know, he's putting out stuff like left and right. I think he just previewed some more uh, like a radar dish. He put yeah. out like a landing pad. And it's just so much stuff that I had seen on his uh, – he has a special Facebook group for people who bought the stuff. You know, he's having to order printers left and right to print out stuff. And it's kind of fun because he actually plays at the gaming store that I go to, and they're going to start up a league real soon. And I can't wait to see all his train out there. Oh. But, uh, you know, this has really brought in, too, all the Ravel, Bandai, and all these mm-hmm. other 1 in 48, 1 in 50 models. And people are gobbling them up left and right to the point where a at-at popcorn holder yep. from Disney, what used to be like 30 bucks, I think it's up to like 65 or $70 on mm-hmm. eBay now because people are buying them up just for terrain. So it's really fascinating to watch that. It is. It really is. Um, I have a. When I was home, I did dig in my parents' attic, and uh, I did find my. Uh, so if you go back, so they they, the original tar, Star Wars toys um, were not proper scale, uh, not at all, uh, and because they were trying to figure out, you know, how to fit things in boxes, get them on shelves, you know, back in the seventies, um, and the original Millennium Falcon toy. Uh, was big, um, but it was nowhere near the size it should have been. Um, and when they remade it for Empire, uh, they used literally the same model. They just um, changed the coloration of it, and they you know changed some of the stickers and the bits and pieces, and they changed the box art. Uh, and that was the one I was given as a kid for Christmas. Um, and that's the one that I was home and I dug around in my parents' attic and sure enough, thank God my parents don't throw anything away. I found my <laughs> Falcon, uh, in a surprising number of pieces. Um, I could not believe I still had the gun for the top and the, the radar dish with all of its parts and the, the cockpit cover, um, and the back and all the, di- and the little, you know, the, the little a hidden passage thing that people could hide under um, the secret compartment. All of the bits and pieces were there. So I packed it up in my luggage uh, and brought it back. And uh, I opened my suitcase and my wife went, what is that? Why is that there? And I went, Tell her it's an investment. I was like, it didn't cost me anything. So, uh, uh, and those things are worth some money right now on eBay too. You yeah, see them in a the right. couple hundred dollars, easily the old Kenner and Hasbro mm-hmm. Millennium Falcons. That's it. Mine's Kenner. So I was looking at it going, people keep telling me not to cut it. And I'm like, well, I really want to kind of make the one. I wanted to do the uh, a different YT-1300. Uh, I know Seamus and I talked about this uh, at length at one point, but I really want my YT on, like, I think, uh, I, I one of the things I like about Star Wars is the idea it's a giant universe and there's a lot going on. And I really hope that we're going to get generic commanders for um for legion at some point because i loved rogue one i loved that it wasn't about the main characters now don't get me wrong main characters appeared um clearly it gave us that awesome scene with vader um and all that but we did it wasn't the luke skywalker story and i or the skywalker family per se and i'm i was way happier with that um i want a generic yt freighter on parked on a board that isn't the millennium falcon um so i want to do something with mine beyond painting it um but man the number of people who have come at me and said don't you dare cut that um (laughs) i'm like but i'm taking a toy from my childhood and i'm repurposing it so i can use it as an adult uh and they're like no 
don't do it. And I'm like, but they're saying buy a new one and cut it. I'm like, but no, I don't want to. That's, that yeah. defeats the purpose. Um, it might be heresy. It is. On one hand, it's heresy. On the other hand, it's, you know, it, it has literally been sitting in a box for 25, 30, 30, 40, no, 20, 35 years. I don't know. Ridiculous. Um, and it's, I want to give it life again. Uh, ironically, yeah. I, it came out of the same box that had my. You guys remember the TV show Mask? Oh yes. Yeah. Didn't yeah. he have? Was it an IROC or was it a Camaro? Yeah, it was a Camaro. Yeah, the wings, yes. the Thunderhawk. Yeah. Um, yes. It was in the same box as my Mask gas station, um, Boulder wow. Hill, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't even know I, I forgot I had that. Um, so I was like, ooh, that that's almost the right scale for legion too and i was like no i'm not bringing back a gas station either no 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 um that said uh the falcon's amazing and i want to i want to do something with it but um i need i think that'll be the next school holiday um where i actually have time to lovingly do something to it um because no matter what i do to it i'm going to put some love into that vehicle anyway seamus you were saying um you like that idea yeah i think um because you're talking the the ship is kind of the wrong scale for the toys, but I think for Legion that's got to be pretty close, right? Size size wise of that particular toy, it's almost perfect. The problem is yeah. the the pro the problem is it's it's too fat, um, as in it's too yeah. thick. Um, the top, if you look at it top down, it's I think it's the proper size, but if you look at it from the side, um, it's too fat. But you know what? <clears throat> Hashtag don't care. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Th- I think it'll look, uh, you know, uh, in, in a centerpiece on a table or something like that. I think, uh, I think that gives the table so much character. Yeah. And there, awesome idea. There's a few dudes who have already kind of done it already online. Um, I'm sad I couldn't get to mine early enough so I could be one of those guys. Um, but I've really been looking at those thinking, okay, this is what I got to do with mine. This is how I'm going to do something. Uh, and learning from what they've been doing. Uh, and it's just awesome to see the hobby that some people are bringing to the table. Um, because, again, it's it's such a, a, some, one of those things that people just love. And um, it's just it's nice to see that love being translated into effort um, just to put something nice on a tabletop. It, it just it speaks volumes about people's affection and affinity for the Star Wars universe and how that translates into Legion as a game. Um, yeah. Casey, what have you been finding? Um, so you've clearly, yeah, you've definitely bought into Legion. Um, how, how have you been finding putting the models together? Have you been playing the games much? Talk to us about your Legion experience. So far, Legion, I guess, is the newest game I've played in the 37 games I've played in the last three months. <laughs> um, like you, I'm very susceptible to uh, <laughs> advertising. But um, no, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so far, I've really liked it. Like I said, the models super easy to put together. I do like the scale. I found some problems with some of the gaps when uh, you know assembling them. There's little gaps like between the arms and the yeah. torso. But besides that, they've painted up great. Uh, I've done two demos. Both of my buddies that I did demos for went out and bought the corset, just mm-hmm. started buying stuff left and right. And it's just one of those fun, just throw down games. The rules, I think we had to read the rule book maybe, you know, for the first 10, 
maybe minutes, 15 minutes. And after that, I mean, we were just, we were going, cooking with gas. It wasn't a problem. We didn't nice. have to refer to it. Every now and then we refer to one or two rules questions, but I've really enjoyed it. It reminds me a lot of kind of Armada and X-Wing, which I played pretty heavily, Yeah. obviously with the dice and stuff like that. It's got a little bit of a BA skirmish component too. Mm. So I, I think it's around to stay. I think it's going to be really popular. It's not going to kill any other games, but I think it'll really be in, be around to stay and as long as FFG supports it, which it looks like they will. Yeah, there's the one gripe that... Um, so my, I guess I have two small gripes, having played it for a couple small games at this point. One is that the core game seems to come with half the dice you need. Um, maybe that's yeah. because they assume that you're going to buy two, um, <laughs> as most people <laughs> seem to have. Um, but you definitely, you're, you're like, oh, now I need to pick up these three dice and re-roll them because I needed five and there's only three in the box. Um, but now, uh, given how many dice are floating the market, I don't think that's, that's an issue. Um, just be warned if you're buying one core set, you might need to buy that dice pack. Um, but that and... Um, I just I'm I've only played a couple of small games and I've watched a bunch of games and I'm already tired of Luke versus Vader. Uh, I just I want more characters. And I mean, as of Friday of this week, by the time this goes to air within like 48 hours of this going to air, we will have veers. It will be on the tabletop. So that that criticism of mine is already going to disappear. I just can't wait till we get Leia. Um, thank you very much, Seamus. Uh, you got me Han, so I am going to convert a Han model, and because the first army I'm going to be running is Rebels, I'm going to be running Han. Um, I am curious to see how what command cards I'm going to use for Han, because I don't have any <laughs> other than the basic ones. Um, but I think to start with, I'll just run basic command cards and futz around. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any big events coming up. I think it's just friendly games for me for the time being. Um, and I think if that's the case, well, I'm going to run Han just for giggles. Um, yeah. And I've played, I think about either four or five games so far, which is like, you know, casual buddies that, you know, just playing, mm-hmm. but I know it's a game I really enjoy because each game has literally came down to the last turn and like the last couple dice. It's been so close. And yeah. to me, that's one of the hallmarks of a great game when, you know, neither of us are just tabling each other. I mean, that's going to happen, but I mean, it just comes so close where, you know, we're both leaning over the table, almost head to head, like what's going to happen? What's mm-hmm. the next dice? And so that's just to me is one of the things that just really grabs you in and brings you towards like, you know, keep playing a game like that. Hell yeah. I can't wait for the snor- uh, snow troopers to pop in. So I know a couple oh, yeah. of my friends have been sitting in the background going, I'm not buying in until we get snow troopers. And I'm like, well, they're coming. <laughs> um, and rumor, yeah. rumor is um, it hasn't been officially announced by FFG, but Alliance Games have announced it. Um, in their catalog and Alliance are partners with FFG. So theoretically, it's a solid release date. We'll see um, of May 10th um, for Snowtroopers. And if we get Snowtroopers, I know of at least two guys locally who are going to um, buy entire Snowtrooper armies and um, are just going to run nothing but a wall of Snowtroopers, which is going to look so cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was today FFG announced they gave like a preview of, I think, their capabilities yeah. with their, oh, yeah. their ion gun and flamethrower and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I can't wait. And I'm going to try to turn mine into Desert Troopers using uh, nice. one of our good buddies' um, Desert Painting Tutorials. Hey. Uh, Mr. Brian Cook, possibly. Who's that? I don't, I don't know if I know that. Uh, I don't know. I yeah. mean, just some guy. Yeah. It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of painting mine in the maroon and going, um, adding a squad of. 
um, Imperial Marines uh, to my existing Stormtroopers. And by existing, I mean the ones that are unassembled in a box. So I got to get on that. But my hobby uh, shortlist is unfortunately spiraling at the moment. Um, So I'm going to have to dial that back. Uh, Seamus, are you... Are you you, were, you sounded very excited about snowtroopers. Are you is this because you are tempted by the by the the fruits of the snow or um, is winter no, coming? I uh, guess the, or no. I, I I really like the concept of the game. Uh, obviously, I'm a I'm a Star Wars nerd from way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the snowtroopers look really cool, but uh, <laughs> despite the best efforts of all of you guys trying to tempt me to it, uh, I have. Unfortunately, no plans to buy into Legion anytime soon. That's all right. You'll break. We'll break you. <laughs> I was going to say, I still well, love you. Meanwhile, Casey's like, yeah. I will break you. Yeah. No, you guys, the the one, the one difference there, though, is uh, we uh, we bought into that Harry Potter game, though. So nice. uh, that's kind of that's kind of the storm looming on the horizon, waiting for God, that to ship. Take a and... lean against your mortgage for it? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> No, it was it was good timing. Uh, we didn't we didn't go all in. Uh, it was tempting to, uh, you know, it, because what I do in my day job, you know, I did a financial model of well, if we do this option, this is what we save. If we do this option, <laughs> this is what we save. And the the all in option was actually a really stunning deal, but mm. uh, it was a lot of money all oh, yeah. at once. And so we we decided to take the uh, somewhat more cautious route. Uh, one of my buddies in the area b- bought all in too. So I don't know, maybe if I need some of those models down the road, I can buy them off him or something like that. But so why don't you yeah, tell us models? Yeah, they look so good. Hold on. Tell us a little bit about how the game's going to work. Cause I know you did some fair, re- a fair bit of research on, um, you know, before buying into it. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about how the game is being pre-sold and the game itself and stuff like that. Because I, I was yeah. dead keen, but at the moment I'm just like I can't touch because I live in Australia. Um, tell us why. Yeah, so that was that was a little bit weird. Um, originally, they announced it last year, I yeah. think almost about this time, and it was supposed to be out in the fall, uh, and they were going to do a Kickstarter because um, you know that's apparently a lot of people like to do Kickstarters now. Mm-hmm. You know, they like uh, I think it's people who want to be or are video gamers, and they like the unlocking achievements and stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, it was delayed. Um, a couple of buddies of mine in, in other gaming circles uh, said that there was, um, you know, J.K. Rowling is, is real big on making sure nobody does anything bad with her intellectual property. So mm-hmm. there's rumors that was the holdup. But when they did finally announce it, they went pre-order instead of Kickstarter. Um, and I know a lot of people flipped out about that. Uh, but I, I think the real big issue they had was uh, only limited countries were able to purchase it, which, um, yeah. I, again, working in my day job, I know what it's like to have to pay to license things in other countries mm-hmm. and how expensive that can get very quickly. So to a degree, I can understand why they did it. Uh, I, I suspect if it's big enough, um, they'll pursue other countries. So, uh, I, I mean, it's a great it's a great setting and uh you know i just finished rereading the books again recently mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm i feel bad for people who can't buy it but um you know even since they did the the pre-order announcement you know uh, we bought into one of the levels and they announced i think three different additions to that that were included for free like 
They said if you pre-ordered any one of these sets, these this model is now included. This model is now included. This model is now included. So it's kind of like they did a Kickstarter format, but in a pre-order style, it was a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The I watched a little bit of the gameplay videos. They're they're real brief, but it seems like uh, it encourages teamwork between the models, so you don't have like one model running around wrecking shop. Uh, if you're doing multiple players, I think that'll be real neat having to work together. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's like problem solving and uh, building up to accomplishing tasks. It's not just run out and kill everything or you know, run out and find object A and then object B and things like that. So uh, I think I think there's a lot of ability to play a different game every time you set up for it. Yeah. And that intrigued me a lot. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense to do a kill kill everything in front of you Harry Potter game. Maybe for one or two scenarios if you're playing Death Eaters or something. But it really, right. you really just... I mean, having I read those books to my classes constantly, um, and just to go through, I, there's just such depth to the characters and such adventures yeah. to be had. Um, and going by the night, just the the range of the models that Knight has announced and shown pictures wow. of, you just look at it going, you can do so much with this game. Yes. I know, uh, like you can upgrade characters like spells cost points and magical items like wands or, you know, some of the special items from the stories and things like that. You can add to your characters up to, awesome. you know, like any other miniatures game, you've got a set points level, whatever they call it in the game. Mm-hmm. So everything is, is on par, but, you know, like watching one gameplay video, uh, you know, it was the three main kids, uh, against a death eater and like, um, the kids are really good at what their characters do, and if they work together, they can very easily overpower one or two Death Eaters, mm-hmm. whereas you would assume like an adult character in the game would be more powerful. But the way everything kind of has this synergy together, seems uh, it seems really promising to me. Yeah, and so, Knight definitely knows how to make some sweet models, so that that's going to be so a game that will be amazing so oh. on tabletop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Andy Singleton recently, um, and he was talking about how Knight traditionally did beautiful metal models, um, but they've recently switched materials um, for their Batman game um, to this brand-new high-quality resin. And, of course, hearing that, I immediately get the twitches and start thinking about Finecast um, and GW. But, yeah, (laughs) is right. But uh, apparently this stuff is sensational. If just a little fragile... um, it is just so the models are just to the next level. And then looking yeah. at those Harry Potter models, um, the, my, my one concern, um, if I, if I was able to buy into that game would have been, how am I going to possibly paint these models? Um, because one of the things, and it, it's sort of that old GW white dwarf, um, image shock that you look at these beautifully painted models and Knight has some of the best painters out there painting their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at him, you go, I can't ever paint like that. How the hell am I going to paint this? And I painted, you know, a penguin gang for the bang, uh, for the Batman game. And I looked at it and I went, I don't know how to paint this. Um, yeah. because I just couldn't make mine look like theirs. Uh, so I did it my way and I, I really liked the way that it came out. But dear Lord, my model does not look anything like theirs. And looking at the Potter ones, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Um, See, and, and ironically, 
Uh, were you, did you ever look at the models for Arena Rex? Those were fantastic models. Not sure. They were. They're, they're, they're exceptionally well-detailed. Uh, they're well-proportioned and everything. Um, but the same thing, you look at the, the pictures that the company had on their website, and the, the skill involved is exceptional. They were incredibly well-painted. But me personally, it's not my style. Right. Same thing with night models. Their their models are exceptionally well painted, but it's not my style. Exactly. So, um, and I think, gosh, where was it? I, it was either a recent podcast or something like that, or you know, like uh, uh, War Gamer Rules or something like that. But one of them, one of them that really stuck out to me was stop comparing your your work to somebody else's, because yeah. if you're always striving to be like somebody else i mean there's a healthy level where you can use that as inspiration to try new techniques and Mm -hmm. you know grow as you paint but if you if you're if you take it too far and you look at somebody else's efforts and you're like i'm going to throw this in the bin because there's just no way i'm ever going to accomplish that yeah that doesn't help that doesn't help anybody so um, while while Night Model Studio Painters are, like I said, incredibly talented, um, I don't think I'm going to follow their same same techniques. I, I'm excited as hell to paint those models. I can't wait for them to show up. Yeah, man. I can't wait to see your pictures of what you do with them and slash what they actually look like when they're in your hand. Yeah. Um, that would yeah. just be awesome. Yeah, I guess that is an interesting point. Um, I So for the first 10 years or so that I played, I was a very crappy painter um but i was sort of playing with friends who were also crappy painters and you know the the internet didn't exist and so white dwarf was this thing that you looked at and it was like the best thing ever and you look back at the paint jobs now and you kind of laugh um but uh just because just how much people are better painters now than they are then uh, and it was a different style i suppose but um i still remember i i got hired by games workshop and i went to work in the corporate office, and I started living with um, this guy who was a multiple Golden Demon winner. Um, and we would sit down to paint together on Saturdays, usually. Um, we'd both be pretty tired from work, and both of us usually had a big Friday night out, and we'd both get back, and you know, we'd order a pizza, put on some bad World War II movies, um, and just paint toy soldiers and talk shop and catch up. And you know, we were really good friends. Um, his name's Jason Buyaki. He's an awesome dude. Um, and we just had a great time. But he would basically, he watched me not prime my models before painting them. He would watch me, like, not thin my paints. He would watch me use the same crappy brushes with the nibs that were destroyed. And he would basically get behind me with a stick and start smacking me when he would see me start doing these things. Like, what are you doing? Stop that. Stop that right now. And I learned uh, a ton from him. But one of the things I learned was to never paint like him. Um, and it was one of the things, cause he has his own style and there, there is sort of a, there, I mean, we do learn tech techniques that work. I mean, washing, highlighting, um, painting a certain way. Um, and I, I develop, I, I really took that to heart when I lived with him because I knew I would never paint like him. His stuff was just sensational. Um, but it didn't look like other people's stuff. And, I mean, I'm not saying my stuff looks original, but the way I paint, people make fun of me because it takes me a really long time, and I don't necessarily use an efficient method. Um, but I See, use what I works disagree, for me. Brad's style is super recognizable, though. But it's... it's yeah. You could see a picture of your stuff anywhere and say, that's a Brad Morin job right there. 
it i guess i that's I, true i look I, but i i it's just how i paint um and so i i look i so for me it was weird i guess the disconnect for me was looking at the night stuff it was so different from what i normally painted that i thought i had to paint it that way um which was i guess stressful for me because i normally just like well i'm just going to paint it my way um yeah and i'm definitely guilty of not always evolving <clears throat> as a uh, a painter like i mean you guys um like Pat, I mean, so we have a a little behind baseball for the listeners here um we have a, a facebook group where we're constantly sharing pictures and um casey patch um seamus brian and i are always sharing pictures with one another and looking at um you know, Brian and Patch paint and they're doing that whole sharing things and you just look at it going, I can't, I'm not painting like that. I, I can't paint like that. Um, but they are also giving us, um, you know, good tips back. Um, and just to see all of us paint, no one's ever like, that's a, ter- that's a terrible, 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 terrible paint job. You need to wipe that off and try again. It's just helping each other out to get where we need to go. But all of us have our own style. Um, mm-hmm. your Frostgrave stuff that you were doing, Seamus, was just awesome. And I just loved the the colors that you were putting on there and how it all blended together. And, you know, it was just like, I, I don't know what I would add to that. Because you're like, oh, yeah, I think this looks great. Anything? And I'm like, nope, perfect, done. Okay. Put a fork in it. That's perfect. Well, thank you. <laughs> Go to the next one. Um, but, I mean, I don't know what I'm saying there. I just, I guess... If you're not happy with the way you're painting, um, maybe take a deep breath and look at it again. Um, if you're really unhappy, maybe maybe find someone whose stuff you do like um, and maybe see if you can find how they did it. Um, but you need to be happy not only with the end result of how it looks, but with the process itself. I know some people that hate painting because they think they have to paint a certain way to get to achieve the look that they want. Um, I would encourage people to really, I guess, um, explore, is that really the look you want? And is that the process you want to get there? Um, because right. I think that has to match up. Does, am I, is that making sense? No, mm-hmm. I agree completely. All right. Um, Case, what are, you, what are you thinking about this? Because um, we've been chatting for a while. Well, you know, talk, talk about, you talk about painting? Yeah. Is that what you're talking uh, you know, I agree completely. It's like Seamus said. I had wrote an article on BAA a long time ago, especially being probably the youngest of the group gaming-wise, is, you know, I started out just an absolute terrible painter. Like you said, I wasn't priming. I didn't mm-hmm. thin my paints. And I don't know if you remember that meme, the 40K clear, uh, Kill Me Brother, Clarence, yeah. the one with the S. And, I mean, that's all my minis. And it was so bad, but... I was doing, you know, that fatal flaw where I was comparing what I was painting to, you know, the Brian Cook, the Patch Adams, the Andy Singleton, all Mm -hmm. these guys. And so I was like, man, I can't compare myself to them. So really, I started coming into the BAA whenever I had reached out to Brian. I'm like, I'm struggling. And he gave me so much advice back when I was painting my deck. And these guys, when I finished with them, I was like, damn, these guys look pretty dang good. Yeah. And it was at that point I really started. And don't get me wrong. I still get frustrated. You see it. Seamus sees it. You know, mm-hmm. I get mad and I can't do something. I'm like, well, look, Patch just finished that army in a, three days. And I've been painting the same <laughs> two guys for three days. Three days. He but, was taking I, his time. Yeah. yeah. He, he had something else. Going. He was out of town. Yeah. He's but, uh, on vacation. 
you know, I had to stop and just take a step back. And I figured out, like, if I'm messing up something, put it down, work on something else, and come back to yeah. it. Because mm-hmm. if I try to power exactly. through working on something I'm messing up, you're just going to screw it up more. And, you know, turn off the social media. Don't look at how someone else's, you know, how good theirs looks. You can ask them, hey, how would you do this? But just take your time to it. And if you're in a rush, if you're worried about, you know, your kid constantly crying because she always does. Not that I don't, it doesn't happen to me every night. Yeah. But uh, Or, you know, work. If you're worried about that, you're not going to do good. You know, you need to be in the zone. You can't force yourself to paint. Totally. You need to want to. But if you sit yeah. there, like I forced myself to sit there to paint sometimes, and it wasn't fun. You know, I was just rushing through it, making mistakes, splashing, you know, colors, mm-hmm. ruining paint jobs. And it just kind of ruined it for me where I sometimes have to go on breaks. I may not paint for two weeks, and that's fine. Yeah, it's a motor yeah. skill, and you need to keep it up. But sometimes, you know, I'll watch movies with the wives. Maybe I'll play a video game with some coworkers. But mm-hmm. I always go back to painting because that's just, you know, that's my zen. That's my happy place. Yeah, man, yeah. definitely. Seamus, do you agree with that? or? I do. Uh, you know, you, you've seen the way I paint, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, there's like a, I, I like to call it the GW style, the bold highlights, yep. uh, you know, really, uh, drastic jumps between shades and things like that. Or, uh, you know, doing like patch and doing 37 shades of every color. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the end, the end result is amazing. But for me personally, I prefer, uh, I'm, I'm that idiot that sits there and will blend the color. Like I'll water it down to varying mm-hmm. degrees. Uh, to get it to be a little more of a smooth transition, it doesn't pop on the table. Like if you look up close, it looks to me, it looks really good. But then when you put it on the table, it just kind of blends in and it doesn't really jump out at you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's I, I can't compare myself to other people, but like Casey said, you can look at other people's work and um, you know take uh, advice on techniques mm-hmm. and color combinations, things like that. So. Uh, it, it's got to be a healthy thing. It can't be something that's uh, that's going to cause you frustration. Yeah. Um, I over Christmas, I started I assembled three Soviet trucks and I painted two and a half of them. And I kind of had one little section of one truck to finish. And I had the entire back section. It was a Rubicon Soviet uh, Studebaker truck, I think is what uh-huh. it's called on the box. Yeah. Um, and it had these weird little folds on the top, um, like little ridges that were beyond what would normally be pulled over the frame. Um, and in the process of painting the back, I started to highlight those. And I was like, oh, I hate the look of that. And so I put it back in the case and I was like, I'm not going to look at this. And then um, I'm, I'm playing a game on the weekend and if, with a friend who, uh, actually Nick, uh, who was on the last podcast, he's talking about his King Tiger. Um, he wants to put it on the table. He wants to face his, you know, Battle of Berlin uh, Germans against something vaguely historically accurate. And so I'm pulling out um, everything I basically have that's Soviet to put on the table um, to face him um, that is of that time period. Um, and so I was like, oh, I really need to finish this truck. And, you know, my wife and I were, were getting ready for Infinity War. So we, we put on the new Thor movie, uh, Ragnarok, and we just had that on in the background. And I was kind of half paying attention to the, to, I was letting the, the zen of the painting get me. I wasn't thinking about it too hard. And I highlighted up the back and I highlighted up those, those folds. Um, and I took a picture and I shared it on our group and uh, Seamus was like, yeah, that looks weird. Um, and I was like, yeah, now that I actually look at it, that does look weird. Um, because I, and I even said it when I posted the pictures, I was like, I think I messed this up because I was paying attention to the movie and I was sort of, I intentionally went on autopilot because I 
I, I, I just been putting off painting this truck so long and I was like, I need to finish it. So I, I paid attention. I, you know, I didn't pay attention and I did it and I was all set and then it looked awful. And so, um, something that I'm notoriously like, I, I want to just throw it away and not look at it anymore. I was like, you know what? Pardon my friend. I'm, you know, F it. I'm just going to, I, I busted out the base color and I just slapped it over the entire top. And then I, as Seamus was saying, I actually wet blended the whole thing on the roof and just painted over everything. Um, and I, it only took me because I had the colors figured out because um, I'd painted the rest of the back. It literally took me maybe 10 minutes to repaint the entire roof of the um, back of that truck. And that's taking it to like five layers of highlights and it looks a million times better now. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't hate it anymore, which it just took me looking at the final result going, that's awful. Um, I'm going to fix that. Um, and actually doing it um, and not giving up on it and not being, you know, like, this is a hopeless cause. I hate this. I need to do something else with my life. Um, and now I actually have three trucks that I'm happy to put on the table. So, yay. There you go. Thank you, Seamus. <laughs> Well, and, and same thing, Casey was working on that building, right? Oh, and yeah. The, you know, like yeah. we were talking about before you hit the record button, you know, it it looks a little bit off maybe, but uh, the, the pictures I thought were phenomenal. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think every painter in the history of wargaming is, is guilty of looking at something they've been working on for a while and saying, well, this is crap. But then they share it with a couple of friends and the friends are all, you know, hey, that's amazing. Well, I think it has to do with expectation. You, when you begin painting a project, sort of have, at least I do, have a vague vision of where I want it to go and what I want to do with it. Um, and then when it's finished and you look at it, you try, you, you know, unconsciously or consciously measure up what your expectation was to how it turned out. And, you know, there's those wonderful moments to go, wow, that, that looks even better than I'd hoped. Um, and there's also that, oh, that is not what I expected. Um, but if you're expecting a particular look, and you don't get it, um, maybe in Casey, this could be what happened with you. You were following someone's tutorial. You were expecting a particular look, uh, and it didn't match up with that. Maybe you were a little disappointed, whereas, you know, Seamus and I looked at it and went, damn, that is some good stuff, um, because we didn't see the original picture, nor did we have your expectations. We just looked at the final product. Does that make sense? You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, because I was comparing it to the tutorial picture, and, you know, I'm guilty of, you know, my own thing of saying, hey, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, it needs to look like this. And you're like, no, it looks fine. Yeah. But I was like, but it doesn't look like this. So we all just, you know, you, like you said, you just have to take a step back. So to go along with that messed up building, though, if you look on the Legion Facebook group, there's guys that have put web pages up and they're putting, like I said earlier, all these models down. And you can go to Amazon and get one of the Ravel A-Wings. It's a snap type model and the scale is almost perfect for Legion. And it'll look perfect with some of those 3D printed buildings. And you can also get a Nerf brand U-Wing, too. And I ordered it. I'll put them. I got both of them, and I'll put them together. I think the U-wing might be already assembled. I might prime over it and repaint it, or just put some matte finish. Mm-hmm. But like I said, just the amount of train you can just get off Amazon and stuff like that is just phenomenal. And I went to an old uh, model store the other day when I was just goofing off at work, and they had a Tie Fighter and X-wing in there. You know, the old uh, mm-hmm. I think it was a Bandai kit. And I was so tempted just to get them up too for terrain. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah, I I painted up a bunch of the Knights of Dice um 
Sandport Hydra via, uh, sorry, buildings. And I got um, from Laser Shark Designs, another local company, a uh, friend of mine, Mike's company. Uh, he made these bunkers that are wonderful line blockers. They look like, um, I don't want to say oversized. They're just large versions of the Endor bunker um, that mm-hmm. aren't buried in a hill. They're just giant standalone buildings. And yeah, I'm going to put some, some stairways on the, you know, going up to the roof, of one of those, I think I mentioned this on a prior podcast and I think they're so big. I think I need to put like a radar dish on one and maybe a landing pad on the other one. And they just, it's so star Wars. The second you put that on yeah. one of my existing tables of terrain, you know, take off the world war two huts, um, or, you know, the, the desert buildings, put one of those puppies down, boom, you know, the yep. hills, the, the trees, the shrubs, the walls, all of a sudden, it turns bam magically into Star Wars, and I'm just going, yeah, yeah, and do that. You know, Battlefront I think is supposed to drop their, or no, not Battlefront, but Gale Force Nine, isn't yes. it? That's supposed to come out with their painted terrain this month, I think, the start mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, some of those were shown at was it Gamma? Um, the pictures of those. I think it was Gamma. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a disconnect from when they originally announced it um, to. What might come later? I heard a rumor that they might be a little on the small side. Um, when I'm because Legion's thirty-two, it's not twenty-eight um, millimeter. So I'm I'm hoping that it scales right because those desert walls um, that are with those kits just look so sweet. Um, no, I agree. Yeah, so much good stuff. And you guys know how much I love Battlefield in a box, like Gale Force Nine's uh-huh. range. They're so good. Uh, oh. and I would love to get some more of those. Oh, yeah. I use them for a Team Yankee and a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, I can't yeah. wait just to add them. And then you can use them for any of the half dozen games I play, too. So oh, I'll yeah. probably pick them up. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it, it, nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with durable, well painted, pre painted terrain that you can use for a number of game systems. It just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. You don't have to spend your time <laughs> on it. You put it on a table and you're ready to play some awesome looking games. It's just, it's rad. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, okay. I, I feel like it's a, a little irresponsible for me to get like almost an hour and 20 minutes into the show and then to finally turn and bury the lead and ask Seamus. So Seamus, you went to Adepticon and something kind of crazy happened there that had to do with bolt action. Would you like to tell us what you did and how it was? Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened that was crazy. Well, not crazy. It was just a good time. Like, tell us what you yeah. did and because you did pretty well, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I was. I suppose that is the crazy thing. Well, that wasn't crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm getting at. So the the I exciting was go thing about it, yeah, <laughs> that also works. That yes, I would agree. Now the the really cool thing was, um, you could play bolt action on almost any day. So Thursday night they had um, they had a big tank game. It was the Legend of Kursk. It was just tanks upon tanks upon tanks on like a twelve foot table. Uh, uh, put on by a couple of local guys, and that was real cool. But at the same time, they also had a combat patrol game. It was like 400 points, I think, with a few list limitations. Nice. But they had like 30 players playing that. And then awesome. uh, Friday was Bolt Action Doubles, and that was also sold out. Uh, a couple of guys, unfortunately, dropped out the day of. But, uh, you know, me being the... Uh, uh, non-talkative silent type that I am. Some guy was just kind of hanging around looking at awesome. the games. I was like, you know, striking up a conversation. Hey, do you play bolt And He's like, yeah, I love it. Uh, but you know, everything was locked out before I signed up. And it's like, well, the TO just told me a player dropped out and he's got a spare army. Do you want to play? And the guy was, was like a kid at Christmas. So he ended up awesome. getting just a free, 
yeah, he got to play just so that uh, one guy didn't have to field both sides. But uh, uh, so doubles, um, I, I, pl- I played with my normal partner again, Tyler. Uh, he's a real great guy to play with. Um, he's a pretty canny player, um, but we we usually do pretty poorly in the, in uh, in the in the doubles tournament. But this year we've uh, somehow managed uh, a second best allied. Nice. Uh, which was probably the highest I've ever placed in any kind of serious tournament. Uh, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, I think because I t- we took a Soviet force and he took all infantry, lots of squads, um, all regulars. I took uh, two T thirty fours with tank riders and an officer. Nice. So I think what ended up happening was my force served as the distraction for every game because people freak out when they see two tanks and tank riders. Yeah. Uh, so it really allowed Tyler to focus on uh, capturing objectives and things like that. So we, uh, we did pretty good. Also uh, the, okay. So uh, a, a lot of people were telling me after the fact that I should shut up because uh, I have a hard time when I actually win games. So <laughs> I, they, they said I shouldn't be making excuses for winning games, but um the, the the points were very unforgiving. So like uh, uh, you know, one or two points could make the difference between a major win or a major loss. But uh, we had three absolutely amazing games. Uh, two of which were against new new players that we've never played before. Uh, and I think we came away with uh, with some new friends from that. And that to me is the most important part. But amen. Yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun. And uh, at the end of the day, we ended up placing pretty well so that was exciting and then the next day was the uh the whole nationals tournament and that uh i unfortunately wasn't able to play in that but uh uh, talking to a lot of the guys after the fact it it ended up being a lot of fun too you know uh jeremy the guy who runs nationals and doubles always tries to throw in something to make it a little different you know so it's not Mm -hmm. just here's your you know rock paper scissors go for objective a go for objective b kind of game so uh, there was some neat flavor there too, but it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. Awesome, yeah, man. I uh, I am very sad. I missed Adepticon by four days, three days, something like that this year. Uh, I flew back from my sister's wedding, and I just couldn't make it click. Um, but at one point, I was thinking very seriously: Can I take a few extra days of long service leave, get to Adepticon, crash out, hang out for a couple of days? I wasn't even planning to play, just to hang out. Um, cause I would have been jet lagged and a mess and then, uh, and then do the family thing. But, um, sadly it just, it just literally didn't work out this time. Maybe next year. God, I hope so. That would be amazing. I'd yeah. love, I would love just to say hi. Cause a lot of my old GW buddies go there every year and you know, there's mm-hmm. my Facebook feed lights up with Adepticon every year and I just go, Oh, plus you're there. Um, God, it would just be nice. It would be just, it would be fantastic. Anyway. Um, tell us about Adepticon as a whole, though. Um, clearly, you're playing a lot of games. Uh, it seems to be an event that keeps growing, um, and different game systems seem to be more represented, or is that just the online presence of it? No, it, uh, it, it does grow every year. Uh, this was one of the first years I was able to actually walk around and check out all the vendors. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, the Fantasy F- Flight guys, they had their own booth set up for selling stuff but then across the aisle they also had three or four different demo tables going and it was just non-stop so 
you know, they're the first hit free kind of scenario. And uh, I think they probably made out uh, pretty well, but you know, uh, games I've never even heard of uh, games. I have heard of like uh, uh, the infinity guys, uh, the tables that they had there were just awe inspiring yeah. uh, the level of detail and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, the firelock guys had both uh uh, skirmish uh, between small groups of pirates, and then they had another table that was like an ocean table with ships duking it out. Um, awesome. Yeah, apparently there's a Planet of the Apes game out there. Uh, it, terrain companies I'd never heard of, and unfortunately couldn't remember the name of now. But uh, yeah, and then and then all all these games that you never heard of have. Uh, people playing them like uh, when I was playing the Frostgrave game, the next table over was playing BattleTech. You know the old hex-based. Oh yeah, uh, that's cool. Maps and stuff. Oh, it was it, that was a, a huge trip down memory lane for me. And you know I, I was really tempted to walk over there and just watch, but unfortunately I was supposed to be rolling dice in my own game, so yeah. didn't get to. But you know Necromunda, uh, one of my one of my buddies in the Chicago group uh, runs a couple of different Necromunda games. Um, yeah, 15,000 people playing, uh, 40k and, uh, Age of Sigmar, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing experience. Everything about, uh, miniatures gaming is there. Badger does a table, uh, gives tutorials and stuff like that. They do raffles for free, um, uh, free airbrush, stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, as with any convention, you could pay $6 for a bottle of water, Oh yeah, all that good. Yeah, fifty dollars for a hot dog. Oh yeah, I know how yeah. that goes. Yeah. Survival. But, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really cool. Um, and and I like that it grows every year. Uh, you know, some of my good buddies ran all the saga stuff, and uh, you know, that's always a good time. Uh, I always notice at the end of the day in the saga hall, there's a lot of empty booze bottles. Not, That's I'm the hallmark sure. of a good game right yeah, there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's any relation there, but uh, I, I should also add that I brought a bottle of vodka with me because we were playing Soviets. I like to theme the mm-hmm. the booze to the army and uh, uh, shared shots with all of our opponents. So that may have helped. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not you in the last game if you've been uh, doing shots of vodka all day. I, I seem yeah. to remember... Um, an old grand tournament that I was uh, one of the GW grand tournaments. I think it was a Philly one where I was standing in as uh, acting TO because the actual TO was ill. Um, and there was a guy that we had to politely ask to go sleep it off um, because he had been, he had been drinking from a flask all day and it was game. I think it was game six and a six. Oh no, it was the end of first day. So it was uh, end of game three and dude was blasted, and um, wow. his opponent was just, God bless him, was just trying his best just to, to play a game of 40K, and his opponent was like, ah, let's not, and he basically yeah. turned into a pirate. Um, was like, oh, my matey, let's, let's, do, let's sing a song, and, and he was just like, no, I just want to roll dice. <laughs> the timer's going. Can we please do this? Um, but, yeah, as long as you keep it within reason, it's a good time. Yeah. So yeah, no, you- it's... Uh- Adepticon is always fun. Uh, you know, talking to a couple of my buddies, I was smart. I did not bring money with me. Uh, yeah. You know, I had uh, I had one purchase I wanted to make, and I brought only enough for that, and it was only twenty five dollars. Yeah. But you know, a couple of my buddies were like, uh, you know, I got one of the 
one of the prizes I got was a, a discount for the Trenchworks table. And, you know, oh, Trenchworks is amazing stuff. Yeah. They had some new stuff that they were premiering, too. But it's like, uh, it, yeah, that's just not in the cards for me. So I handed it off to a buddy of mine. He's like, hey, yeah, I've only spent $400 today. I'll go stop by their oh, table. Jesus, yeah. And that was just in drinks, right? <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And he bought yeah. four bottles of water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brother. Yeah. I, um, it, I, so I haven't been to CanCon in a number of years, um, but I definitely remember that, like, do I take my credit card with me? Do I leave it at home? Uh, feeling. No. But uh, I, I'm pretty good with willpower for that kind of thing. But I went, I uh, was reminded of this on my most recent trip to the States because uh, after the wedding, um, my sister invited me to the post party. Um, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, sure. I'm the brother of the bride. I got to go. Uh, and so I went to the, the post wedding event, um, and came home 24 hours later, uh, from the one casino that I know of in the Northeast of the United States, um, going glad I don't gamble and glad I didn't take any money because yeah. <laughs> the beer was expensive enough, ladies and gentlemen. And that was in a casino. And if you know how casinos like to have cheap booze, I was just thinking, oh yeah, no. But, um, yeah, I'm still hurting from that experience, but uh, I'm glad I didn't spend any money other than that. Well, just to slightly jump back into Wargaming, um, so on the weekend, uh, last weekend, my buddy Pedro came to town. Uh, Pedro, who was on a past episode talking Italian paratroopers, um, and he was looking at uh, trialing a list, I think, for the May... Um, VBAL, the Victorian Bolt Action League event. Now, um, Lockie from the Bacon Burgers cast is TOing an event, and it is at a local German social club. Um, so it's like a veterans yeah. hall for Germans. Um, and I've been there visiting a few other events in the past. And it, you know, you can get schnitzel, you can get your sausages, you can get the pretzels with the awesome mustard. Um, but they also have wonderful like actual German beer and German steins. Uh, it's going to be a fan. It's a fantastic venue. Uh, and they are going to run a two game event. They had problems getting access to the hall, I think, which is why it's only two games. Um, because of that, they're sort of stripping out the, um, so there's no podium. So there's no first place, second place, third place. There's no, you're not winning. You're not playing to win. Um, it's just a day to socialize, um, enjoy some tasty German beer um, and some food and, you know, build a community. Um, there's going to be a painting award. And I believe uh, Hanno Swag is going to be one of the events. So best theme. Um, if you take a nice themed army. Um, they do ask that you turn in your lists in advance. So people, you know, are, are, showing up and playing consistently for the event um, and to help encourage new players. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a small point. It's a thousand points. Uh, and it's just a, a low competition environment. Anyway, Pedro wanted to run. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that is brilliant. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, I think Bolt Action's gotten to the point where a lot of people focus on the more competitive side. So it's really nice to see the opposite. No mm. podium, Best theme, best uh, best appearance. I, I think it's a great idea. It is, although it's it's given me a bit of a conundrum that I keep posting online, and um, I think I just need someone to help me walk it off. It's I um, <laughs> I am not what they call a competitive player. Like I definitely am not playing to win. I'm not taking the list that will kick somebody's teeth in. Um, my my weird part of competition is these days. 
Uh, I try and come up with army ideas um, that are non-competitive um, and then show that I can play games um, and not necessarily win events, but win games, like actually play normally with lists that people consider weird or unwinnable. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm looking at this lit and that sort of takes my usual philosophy and throws it out the window because it's like, well, winning doesn't matter whatsoever. Um, and not that I necessarily focus on winning. And by even saying this out loud, I guess maybe I am focusing on winning. Is this making sense? Um, I don't know what to take. Um, and so I have gone so sort of this weird spiral of opening every figure case I own and going through every bolt action army, going through every book, um, trying to, you know, line up what I own to what's a list. What can I take that will be as historically accurate as possible, um, that will be fun to play and be fun to play against. Um, but I keep changing. Um, so one of the ideas I had was to take a Volk's Grenadier army. I really, I've been reading up on Battle of the Bulge, um, and I've been reading some of the Flames of War books. Um, Casey helped me find some of the pages that I was missing um, from one of my Bulge books. So I was looking at um, Volk's Grenadier units that were in... I said Battle of the Bulge. And so I built a general army around this. Um, and Pedro, the reason I did that was Pedro wanted to play his brand new Soviets, um, wanted to try them out prior to the event um, just to get you know his head around the rules. Um, and it was, you know, he's halfway through painting the army. It will be done by the time May happens. Um, but he just wanted to, and it's a fun list. He has um, a British cruiser tank, um, a Lend-Lease one, and just all sorts of funkiness that is just cool. Um, it was, yeah, it was a very fun game. We played, um, one of the missions from the events because they announced it in advance. Um, we played, uh, Heartbreak Ridge, which is one of the old, um, boltaction.net missions, uh, and just had a lovely afternoon playing. But I, so I, I brought out an Eastern Front table of terrain. Pedro was playing his Eastern Front army, and I brought my Volksgrenadier, which I know are Battle of the Bulge. It's the wrong direction, but it was roughly the same time period as Pedro's army. Uh, I, I thought it was vaguely close enough. And it was just a really awesome game. Um, just to sit down, play an old mate, play a historically themed game, um, play a, a balanced mission, um, but then, you know, see where dice fell and see how things came out. And man, I don't think I've played a closer game of BA in a long time. Uh, Pedro's son sort of came, you know, was hanging out and would come and buy every now and then say, oh, who's winning? And we just look at each other. I have no idea. Um, and at the end, it came down to us contesting two objectives and me barely holding one. Um, had we gone to the bonus seventh turn on a four up uh, on a die roll, I think Pedro would have wiped me off those objectives and would have easily won the game. And it was just one of those. It was so good. Um, and man, if, if I could wish someone, you know, the old, if I could buy the world a Coke, if I could wish everyone in the community, a game like that, where it was tight, it was thoughtful, um, but it was, it wasn't, you know, kick your face and competitive. It was awesome themed armies on a themed table. That would be my wish for everyone. It was just so much fun. Um, and I just need more of that in my life, I think. And thankfully, I'm going to play, I think, another one of those games on Saturday, which is why I'm painting these Soviet trucks. Uh, I'm 
I'm going to take a late war Soviet army against Nick's um, last levy Germans. And again, we're going to run on a themed table um, with themed armies and see where the dice fall. And um, we'll probably end up playing Heartbreak, Heartbreak Ridge again, not because I necessarily want to, but um, because I think Nick hasn't played that mission and he's also preparing for May. So I, just to go back to what you were saying, Seamus, about how that it's cool to have a non-competition competition um almost um it's leading to some awesome social games as people are just getting their head around trying out new armies and trying out new missions and new ideas um and man it's just awesome um either one of you guys have something you want to say about that so i can stop talking (laughs) no those games like you said though are perfect you talk about one that'll just suck people in and just really get you you know back into the groove to play that game for a while you know i've been off not off bolt action for a while, but just trying to play some other games. Mm. But I guarantee you, if I were to play that game, it'd be nothing but BA and World War II for the next six months easily. Oh, yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. And it's like you almost wish, and I mean, I wish you would get some camera equipment to maybe record some of these games. I wish you know, someone nice. did that. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really cool if you thought about doing that. Oh, but, God, you know, I'm going to have to like look I into said, that. Because, you know, you watch these videos, and I've watched, you know, from some of the games I play, some of these YouTubes, and once you feel those guys, the passion and the enthusiasm, you know, you're sucked into it. You get into their immersion, and you just want to go out and buy all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I love games like that. You know, I have some of my best moments of tabletop gaming is thinking of either garage games like just like that or even just some casual events I played in where, let's say, maybe I lost the first round or two, so mm-hmm. it didn't matter. You know, I was just having fun. Hell yeah. So I completely agree with you. Yeah, man. Um, Just to quickly go back to what Casey was talking about a second ago. Uh, For those who missed the last episode, um, I've recently bought some camera equipment and I will be doing, um, I will be streaming live games of Bolt Action and probably Star Wars Legion um, through our Facebook page uh, in the coming months. Although... Uh, as I hinted at in the last podcast, um, so podcasting to, to learn how to do podcasting again, to go a little bit behind baseball, took a lot of, I had to do a lot of research. I had to figure out how to actually do this thing, this skill set of recording people's voices, mixing it together and then properly publishing it. So people can listen. And if you listen to the old LRTG episodes, the sound quality is fairly atrocious. Um, and over the years I've upgraded my equipment. I've, I've changed the way. Um, I've recorded, I mean, much like what we were talking about with painting before, um, I did the equivalent of podcasting, which was um, not priming my models and not watering down my paint. And it was just, it was a dog's breakfast. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, you would agree that the sound quality of these podcasts has improved. Um, But I am in that same position for video uh, recording. Uh, and so I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been watching a lot of battle reports, taking notes on what I like, um, what I would like to do. And I think I have a rig now that, that, so I want to do, um, I was inspired very, a lot by, um, Steve McLaughlin from WWPD. Um, he did a lot of Armada, um, streams where he would have a camera directly over the table, like a satellite view, and then um, I, I'm kind of thinking maybe a format like that, but then having another camera off to the side that's focused on the dice box so you see what people are rolling. Um, but then uh, maybe once a turn, pick up that camera, show close-ups of things that are happening on the table so people get not just the bird's-eye view, but they can see the beautiful models on the beautiful table. Um, so anyway, long story short, in a couple of weeks, 
I'm hoping maybe a month or two to start doing those maybe semi-regularly. Um, uh, just because, you know, some of the local players I have to play with are just awesome and their armies are gorgeous. And I would just love to take some of those games, like the game I played with Pedro on the weekend. I would love to put that up online and show people, you know, why I'm so passionate about this game, the experiences that I have that make it special to me. Um, yeah. Uh, Seamus, are you, uh, have you played any games like that recently? I know Adepticon um, was, as you say, a tournament, so it was a little bit competitive um did you feel like that was a negative experience it sounds like you had a really positive time oh and uh, yeah no there was there was nothing negative about it other than uh um not having enough time to play more games while i was there amen uh i i, I haven't had uh a bad game in a long time i think so yeah i think what you're describing for the videos that you're trying to put together that that to me describes the perfect uh, battle report or uh, tutorial or something like that on YouTube. I think having the overhead, having the, especially for a new player, getting to see what the dice, all the numbers you roll and what they mean in the game, and then showcasing the the beautiful table and miniatures. That's awesome to me, and that's that's what'll help other people uh, get into the game or maybe understand something that they didn't understand before. Yeah, I think the only thing we need to do now is figure out a way to do it, maybe virtually, so um, I can play you guys. <laughs> Because um, yes, we have never after after all our years of talking, um, listeners, uh, Casey, Seamus, and I have never actually been in the same place at the same time. Um, so it's true. Yeah, it's it. I call that a damn shame, um, especially since uh, yep. Seamus, you've hung out with many of my old friends. Um, like you are close friends with like Dwayne Zolak and those guys. Um, yeah, and you just go. I, I spent so long with those guys. How have I not spent any time with you? It's yeah. <laughs> True. Soon enough. Soon enough. Amen, brother. Yep. Amen. We'll have to figure that out in the next year to come. See if we can all meet in a mutual point. I think uh, Patch has evil plans up his sleeve, and hopefully that results in a Hawaii trip at some trip at some point or something. Yeah, that would yes. be pretty awesome. Oh man, gaming in paradise. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, Case, how about you? Um, have you been playing any fun games of any particular game system? I know you haven't been playing all the bolt actions, but is there no, anything you, you know? Pe- yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I've played a couple of bolt action games, I guess, probably the last eight months. After a tourney, you know, I just wanted to play some other stuff to see mm. what else was out there. Especially, you know, once I had a kid, I didn't realize how much time and money those took up. So, oh, yeah. you know, times I think, but I think I've played this year alone, I've played Legion, which I'm playing pretty heavy now. I'd played Team Yankee with some guys. I played a league in it. I played a little bit of Armada. Actually, played that with Seamus. Um, nice. Played some bolt action. Played it's made edition 40K. It was fun, but just couldn't hold my attention long enough. And I recently started playing some Saga also, which I really enjoy. And one of the big things, like some draw about like Saga, for example, is I have no clue about like the medieval and dark ages so half of the fun is just research researching this stuff yeah and i think i had said it on an old uh gap podcast too you know one of the most fun parts about ba to me was finding a new you know unit to use or you know pick romanians as my new army and i knew nothing about them then buying all the books you know going to the library reading all the articles researching them and with saga i have no clue about the medieval and dark ages so it's been a lot of fun you know just researching all that and i'm also like yourself you know i bounce between games and then i come back to them but i'm 
very influenced too by like media. And we were talking about this the other night where if I watch like a movie or a TV show or read a mm-hmm. book about something, the next thing I'm like, well, I wonder if I can play that miniature game. Bandit Brothers comes on. I guarantee you 20 minutes later, I'm ordering an Airborne Army. Uh, <laughs> watching the Vikings TV show yep. on History Channel, boom, I'm playing Saga the next day. So I just really need to just cut off all media and focus on what I have. But it's not going to happen. Yeah, brother, I hear you. I'm just glad that uh, with Infinity War coming out, there is not currently a Marvel miniatures game that I can take a Captain America and paint him in a black uniform and put a little beard on him because I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, But I'm like, yeah, okay, really excited. I totally agree. It could be anything. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like if I watch this movie or this TV show, I'm like, well, I wonder if there's a miniature game for that. I guess I'll do it. And I have, and especially with books too, because I'm a huge reader, especially yeah. being married to a librarian. But uh, like the, we were talking about the Sharp series, I have them set up, and I know as soon as I read them, I'm gonna want to play Napoleonics, mm-hmm. go through all the rule sets. But I'm saving myself. I'm just waiting just a little bit longer. And I think uh, two weeks from now, I'm going to an air show with my dad. Tons of World War II planes, and I know I'm gonna want to play Blood Red Skies. From Warlord. Oh, yeah. So I'm just trying. It's going to be hard to try to resist. Yeah, man. See, the beauty of Napoleonics, okay. though, is you could read those books and you could watch the show. And you could be like, man, I am all excited about Napoleonics. And then you're going to paint one model and be like, not that. I'm done. Amen. <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. I looked, um, I was in Lexington Green, um, you know, looking at the Minuteman statue, taking a picture to, to sort of uh, wave smilingly at uh, Paul Sawyer from Warlord, um, who's my co host on the Warlord cast. Um, because we were talking about the American Revolutionary War, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm from around that where that kicked off." And so I took a picture of where the shot, first shot fired around the world, and where the Minuteman statue is, and all that, uh, and sent it over to him. And I was like, "Oh, gotta look at the Revolutionary War rules." And then I was like, "No, no, 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 not touching this. Have enough. No, <laughs> walk away. Yeah, walk, walk away. away. Head down. So walk though. away." But yeah, oh, I know what you mean about that air show because um, when I was in D.C., the last time I was there, uh, got like a year ago, um, my really good friend who I was visiting there uh, took me to, you know, we went to the World War II mu- uh, memorial, we went to the Korean War memorial, went to the World War I memorial, which was hard to find because no one knows where it is and it's like the size <laughs> of a postage stamp. Um, and we did like, we did all that stuff last time. And uh, he's like, look, I know you want to look at something for your podcast or, you know, your interests. Um, (laughs) And uh, to be honest, the thing we wanted to get into most was the African-American Music um, Museum um, or I guess the African-American Museum, um, because my friend was there when it opened and saw... Uh, just amazing musical performances. And he was like, yeah, we got to go. You know, Norwood's bass from Fishbone is in there. Um, you know, some of Chuck D's stuff's in there. We got to go. I was like, okay. So we were going to go, um, but he got really busy at work and forgot to reserve tickets. And you actually have to reserve tickets in advance. And so we couldn't actually wow. get in. Um, so we're standing on, um, you know, we're standing on the mall, which is, you know, that grassy bit for, for those who aren't American. Uh, America, and you can see the Washington Monument and, you know, um, not the parliament building, Jesus, um, the state house. And oh God, why am I blanking on the name all of a sudden? Um, the scene in Forrest Gump. Yeah. Well, the, the Congress is building like in the, in the background, um, that I worked in for Christ's sake. Um, it, it was there. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, we're on the grass and we're looking around and, uh, I was like, you know what? The Smithsonian's over there. And so we walked over to the air and space museum, uh, and, 
We were hoping for some Star Wars. Didn't get it. Um, most of that's been removed from that museum. Um, and I know the the Smithsonian, alt, they have a, the Air and Space Museum has an alternate off-site museum, which has the Blackbird and has just gorgeous planes just lined up. Uh, I wasn't able, I've been to that one before. I wasn't able to get to that one this trip. Um, but I hadn't been to the one on the mall since I was a kid. Um, and it was just awesome to go in and look at their World War II planes in particular. Um, they had an entire section on um, U.S. N- uh, naval uh, planes, the ones that land on aircraft carriers. And, of course, that started with World War II, so it had a pile of those. And then one since then, it was just it was awesome. And I got to see all the yeah. planes, and they had great art on the walls and some great, you know, Everything was labeled with beautiful plaques with lots of information, and it was just going through, going blood red skies, blood red skies, blood red skies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I was like, I was trying to tell my friend about it, and he's though he played forty k with me literally thirty years ago. Um, he's like, yeah, no, sorry, not talking to you about this. Uh, this is a cool plane, but I'm not going to talk to you wargaming about it. And it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing. Otherwise, I would have probably hit the pre-order button on Blood Red Skies right away. And I am actually yep. looking very seriously at that game. But um, at the moment, I just I have enough stuff to paint. So God, it's preach same thing. Amen. I need it, like yeah. I need a hole in my head. But tempting, I got I can't though. Yeah, yeah. But damn, I, it looks uh, good. I, I travel for work occasionally, and uh, spending a lot of time in in airports and on airplanes. Uh, I have to make sure I have a supply of book to read, uh, but I also on my new phone am able to download shows off of iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I made the mistake of downloading Vietnam in HD, oh, wow. uh, which which a good coincided with discovering that there is a bolt action Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, sort of unofficial rule set. So, uh, and then I made the mistake of mentioning that to a buddy of mine in Canada who uh, I meet up with at the Michigan Grand Tournament and Adapticon. Mm-hmm. And so now wheels wheels are turning, and uh, we're talking about the possibility of running something at Adepticon next year. Uh, so, uh, awesome. yeah, lot lots of research into uh, Vietnam now. Yeah, I am talking with a couple folks about a thing for uh, an Australian event at some point too, and I'm going, you know, as I would love to play in bolt action events all day long. Now that I'm playing again, but I'm also thinking how cool would it be to run a thing? And so just as you say, you'd go, ooh, it really opens the doors for um, just having, you know, married armies. So one army that matches another army on a tabletop that matches um, and just to do something cool with it would just be awesome. Mm -hmm. Like talking to Peter West about doing a G.I. Joe versus Cobra 28 millimeter game using bolt action rules. Um, and and doing the battle for Springfield and doing like a modern American looking town with, you know, these vehicles going around and just going, Oh God, James, so good. Well, guys, I I hate to say this. I think you and I, I just to quote something Casey said previously, if you put the three of us in front of microphones and you let us talk, we can probably go for eight hours. Um, you know, old mates chatting. Um, but I think we probably have to unfortunately wrap it up. Um, gents, anything you would like to talk about or anything we should wrap up before we head out? Um, Casey, I will point the mic at you. Uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Just, you know, keep gaming, having fun. Uh, I look forward to, you know, some of your video stuff, drop into some of YouTube, watching cast dice on that. It'll be a great distraction from actually working at work. 
Yeah. Um, besides that, <laughs> man, I look forward to the next time we talk. Uh, I'm going to Warlord Games Day next month in Oklahoma. Nice. Hopefully see some stuff, hopefully some previews, play some games. So I can't wait to, you know, come back on and talk about that. Hell yeah, man. Ooh. Yeah, that reminds me, I really need some of the new Warlord uh, military police models for my um, Winter American slash Brandenburger yeah. army because they look great. <laughs> oh, plus, um, the greens, God, we didn't talk salute. Uh, really quick, the greens for the new Americans for both Warlord and for Perry both look awesome. Um, I just, yeah. oh, God. Plus, uh, desert rat plastics. Um, I, I there's you know you, there are Sikh heads there, and I'm like, ooh, new Sikh models for my Sikhs. Ugh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so much good stuff coming. Um, for so many different game systems, the future's bright, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, Seamus, how about you? Pointing the mic in your direction, buddy. Uh, I, I would say whether it be painting or modeling or playing the game, uh, just uh, take a page out of Bill and Ted. Be excellent to each other. Amen, brother. Well, uh, you guys have been enjoying tasty cold beverages, and at this point, my cup of coffee is ice cold. So uh, let me take us out with our usual goodbye. Oh, before we do that, um, if you would like to give us feedback, uh, you can find this podcast online. Uh, if you go to Facebook and you search Cast Dice, you will find Land O Misfit Toys, home of the Cast Dice podcast. Um, I do have to thank a good friend of the show and occasional contributor, uh, Christian Blatt um, of the Blattcast fame, um, did point out that if you actually search it up uh, and you are a Star Wars fan, he just, um, he thought Lando, Lando Misfit Toys. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm, anyway. Anyway, uh, please message, message us slash me and uh, let us know what you think. If you like this podcast, it is amazing. Uh, to hear that, uh, if you hear something that you don't like or you have a suggestion for future episode topics, um, I know that some people have contributed a few ideas. Um, they are literally written down, and I will get to them. Uh, in fact, I'm hopefully going to get to two of those in the next two episodes. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, now that I'm back from my trip to the States and the second term of school has started, um, a little more stability will mean... Um, some more consistency in uh, both the games I'm playing, and that means the content that I'm producing for the podcast. It's not just general chat, but more specific um, areas of discussion. So uh, thank you very much for in listening to this episode. I, I know there are a million podcasts out there. Uh, I, I realize that you do, don't have to pay for this, but um, as for many of us, time really is a commodity that is poor. And so I honestly thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to me, if that makes sense. Um, so that said, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that your beverages remain cold. I hope that your dice always roll hot. But more than that, I hope that no matter what you do and games you play, I hope that you are having fun.